Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1235 in Edmonton. Bob Stopper, Brendan Escott joining you in Oilers now. You know, nothing says Valentine's Day quite like Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, the greatest steak you've ever had. Roos Chris is the place for special occasions. Tell Daphne, Taylor, and Chris that Oilers now sent you Roos Chris. 9990 Jasper Avenue, the 99th. Roos Chris, open up. All right, just before we negotiate contact with Louis DeBrusque, we're going to go into our Ashley Fine Floors text line. KDK has texted the show. He says, Bob, Colorado got Devin Tays because they didn't drag their feet or wait until the prices are at the highest level a.k.a. trade deadline. The Oilers will never make an acquisition like that with their current wait-and-see method. When teams are down, you take advantage, as teams have done to the Oilers for many years. Winning requires proactive work from KDK. Yeah, and I don't know whether or not... uh, It's an interesting perspective from you, KDK. I mean, I don't know whether or not you just go, everyone sits there and looks at pending UFAs and says, make a move. You know? Maybe you look for players on distressed teams, younger players that are on the precipice of becoming pretty good, that have cost-controlled contracts for the next couple of seasons. Maybe that's the way to go. Time will tell in that regard. Again, you can text at 780-496-0063. And i got to get to this text. Uh, Strummy has texted the show, Bob, in your professional opinion, who are the Montreal Canadiens going to send out tonight to shut down DeBrusque? That one comes to us from Strummy. Without further ado, we welcome back to the show, courtesy of GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. We welcome back Louis DeBrusque. Louis, the big game tonight, the Alumni Classic out at Sacres yeah. Acres, 5 o'clock at EdmontonOilers.com. Who do you think the Canadians are going to use to shut you down? <laughs> the puck. yeah you know what listen i had a conversation with big george he's been playing quite a bit so i expect him to be 
all fired up tonight. He usually likes to pot about five to ten goals a game, so I'm looking forward to that. It'll be interesting. You know what? Everyone's going to be in a little different position as far as age, uh, conditioning. I honestly can't. I can't tell you what I'm going to be like out there, but I'm excited about it. That's for sure. I'm a little bit nervous about breathing in minus 15 air, but it looks like it's going to, you know, warm up a little bit. And I know the guys that played the longest hockey game out there will, will laugh at that. They'll balk at minus 15 or 12. They would have loved it that warm when they were playing their game. But no, it'll be awesome. You know what, Bob? It's going to be fun. I'm excited about seeing some guys I haven't seen in a long time. Obviously, this COVID world, we just haven't had a lot of this stuff going on, and. Uh, you know what, for Brent's sake, again, uh, the Sakers Acres is a famous place now. You know what, it's one of those places you look it up online and it's, it's got its own, you know, Google search map. It's right there. There's pictures. It's a beautiful facility. And I'm excited about playing out there. All right. Well, we're going to have some fun with it. Uh, by the way, my money on the guy that's going to be the toughest to beat for Montreal is Sean Bell. He's only 37. Oh. He's always a great skater. He's still in great shape. Uh, I mean, you know what? I'm wondering, too, you know, like there's a couple guys over there. You know, Dan and played forward and D so he can fly. He's an excellent right. skater. I don't think he's ever going to lose that. He's a big guy. You know, he's always – Mike Keane's always in. He's probably got an eight-pack still. The guy played 15 more years down in the American Hockey League. I think he probably still plays about five times a week. He's just a total gamer and awesome guy, so he's going to be a guy. Petroff is the guy for me, though. I'm really interested because he was a talented player. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that – you know, in a in a shinny hockey game like this can just be your worst nightmare. But we got some meat on our side. We have to. We can get a little, we can get a little rough. We can get a little physical. We can shut things down. I'm hoping Jason Strzok brings his A game, defensive A game, that is, because uh, we're going to need some of that. And uh, we got some good guys. It should be fun. It'll, it'll be an exciting environment. And uh, you know what? Looking forward to it. I think just for you know what's and giggles, you should start uh, course and LaRocking yourself to open the game. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'm sure when they started organizing this, they were like, we should bring some of the heavyweights in for this. But when they were saying heavyweights, they meant the best players that have ever played the game, not the actual heavyweights that they're going to get tonight. So it could be a little different environment, but no, it'll be fun. You know, I'm, I'm kind of glad Big George is on our team, though. He played a bit in Montreal. I heard they tried to trade for him, get him on their side, but... Well, stay tuned. You know, in, there, in the apparently, there's, kinda, there's some developments I'm hearing. I'm hearing through the grapevine. Yeah. They're trying to make some things happen. Hey, uh, hey, just on Mike Keene here for a second. Pound for pound. Oh. Like, he was ranked in the mid-1980s. He was ranked the best fighter in the Western Hockey League. I mean, that's when the WHL was producing, you know, half the tough guys in the NHL. And he was he was voted by the general managers at that time the best fighter in the, the, uh, the W. That guy could chuck him. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, he was very good friends with Kelly Buckberger, so I knew, you know, about him. You know, coming into the league, Bucky and him played together, and he just said, you know, this Keener is just a gamer. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's wiry, and he'll never quit. There was a fight recently on HockeyFights.com that I, I always get those. I follow them, and I, I still – I used to be a student of the game, Bob. I used to watch every single fight. I used to study every fighter. That's kind of gone by the wayside now just because the game's changed so much, but I still appreciate a really good tilt every once in a while. Well, there was one where he was fighting Scott Walker, the wild thing. And I'm yeah. telling you, check it out. It's just, 
that's to me. I just watched that and I go, that's just awesome because they they <laughs> threw punches the whole fight. Like it was just lefts, rights. One guy takes over, the other guy takes over, and they both skated away. Probably looked back at the other and went, holy, that was a good scrap. And uh, it, those are the ones I just love. You know, those, those to me are. I always said that too. I think my favorite fights are the fights that were pretty even back and forth. Both guys got their shots in. Both guys go to the, the penalty box, respecting the other guy a little bit more, and and just understand they were in a little bit of a war. But that's an awesome fight. Check that one out. But he has a bunch of those. You know, it's interesting because we're going to hit on Shane Corson here in a second. It's interesting about perspective because we have uh, people that listen to the show that I would consider center left that, you know, we're big fans of Andrew Ferentz because of Andrew Ferentz's, you know, the things that he was involved with. But we, as as a neutral observer, Ferentz got here at a point in his career where he wasn't as effective as he was earlier in his career as a player. That's just the reality of the situation. He, he really only fulfilled two of the four years of contract, couldn't stay, you know, he, he'd he been in a lot of battles and just couldn't, you know, he couldn't consistently play as a, a top four defenseman. Um, and Sean Horkoff today named the assistant GM in Detroit. I think Horkoff got an undue amount of criticism for how good he was. People couldn't get past the numbers. Uh, in fact, many of the same critics were the, were the same people that loved Andrew Ference. Now, I'm, but now I'm going to bring it to Corson. Shane Corson, for me, was an underrated Edmonton Oilers captain. You played for him. He was a hell of a player, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was a star. You know, when he came to us, he was a stud. You know, and there was no question right away when he jumped into the lineup. You could just tell. And, you know, he always laughed because he was tough. He kind of played the way every I think every single player wants to be able to play, wants to be able to do everything. You know, so he comes in, he can pot 30, he can fight almost anybody. Well, he did fight anybody. He didn't turn away from anybody in the league. He was tough. He just was gritty. He could play wing center. It didn't matter. Like So for me, you know, as a tough guy, you know, when I was trying to look up the players, it was the Rick Tockets, the Corsons of the world, you know, that, that I saw playing a real physical brand of hockey, but they had the skill set to also go out there and be a big factor in the game. And I think that if you ask anybody, even the skilled guys, they'd all love to have a little bit of that in them. They all want to be able to stand up, protect themselves, and, and be that type of a complete player. I think when you look back from that time, though, Bob, there was a lot more guys like that. Now, there were certain guys that stood out even more, Corson being one of them. Again, Tockett, like I said. But, you know, it was just a different era. And I think that the the offensive skill guys, you either had to be ultra elite to not have to deal with that kind of stuff or really tough not to deal with that kind of stuff and shy away from it. Or you would have to just every once in a while, you got to stick up for yourself, get a stick up. Like you look at that fight by Stutzla the other night. Okay. Tim Stutzla is, you know, an offensive player, no question about it, but you know, he would be fine in that area. I look at that. I really respected him for stepping up. Like he's a big guy. He's a hard nosed guy, but you know what? He'd had enough. He took a couple shots. He didn't like it. He was frustrated. Didn't score in the game, throws the gloves off, goes out and scores the overtime winner. I mean, I, I got to tip my hat to that kid. I'm like, hey, I like seeing that. That's passion right there. Um, gone are the stage fights, and I kind of agree with that. I'm not going to lie. I look at that, even though I think it was the most honorable thing to do. Both guys scoring off when they're fresh. Nobody's jumping each other. You're looking at each other. You challenge each other, and you both agree to fight. But I think the emotional fights, the ones that stem from the battle on the ice that are just spur of the moment, passionate, we all love those. That's just the passion of the game. 
Louis DeRuss joining us for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. Louis, speaking of Shane Corson, we had him on the show the other day. Uh, I don't know if he went off to an all-star game or something, but he was out of town, and he left you a, a snowmobile. And he said, you'll have to ask Louie about that story. So I am uh, following up. I do listen to my guests once in a while. And so what happened, Lou Dog? You know what? I just told this story just the other day. I was out with uh, a couple of buddies of mine, Warren Teamster and Terry Degner. You know Terry Degner, obviously, from your... I know Warren. You know, I know, yeah, I know yeah, Warren, too. I know too. Warren, too. But I, um, you know what? I I was just well, telling... Hey, Louie, 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 Louie. I killed myself. Louis, Warren, Warren Teamstrup is far too good-looking. Nobody should be that good-looking at his age. Like He's still a pretty good-looking dude. He's carrying that beard around. I think he wants to be Rip from Yellowstone. That's oh. what, that, you know, he's, trying, he's trying to morph into Rip, so we'll see if that what happens there with the Carhartt jackets and the hat. He, he's going to get the cowboy hat eventually. But anyway, I was telling him what happened was it was during the lockout, actually. So we were doing a lot of snowmobiling at that time, and uh, – I can't remember if I just sold my snowmobile. I didn't have one. Of course, was had gone back to Ontario, I believe, and I asked if I could borrow his 580, 580s that are RD cat at the time. So I get this. We go out to Jeff Smith's cabin out on Jackfish Lake. We're all meeting there. We have a big, huge breakfast. It was a fun time, and we take off across the lake and across fields. There was a breakdown on one of the sleds, and I stopped momentarily. I didn't know the area very well. I just stopped to say, hey, are you guys okay? And they said, yeah, we got under control. If anything, we'll go back to the cabin. You catch up with the rest of the group. Well, what did I do? I pinned the, the sled as hard as it would go over top of this rise in the field. Little did I know that the field ended about 100 yards on the other side of that hill when I came over the top of it. So I was going really fast when I realized this is not good, and I, I more or less tried to pump the brakes, and then I just bailed. I went into a bunch of saplings, the, right into a barbed wire fence. The, the, the skidoo wow. went into the barbed wire wow. fence. You hit the barbed wire fence. And it was Oof. like a 20-foot drop on the other side of the barbed wire fence. Like, it, it was it easily could have been, no, no joking, I could have easily been killed here. Like, it was a really yep. hairy, scary situation. Kelly Buckberger was... 200 yards away, they see just a cloud of, of snow, pop the snow, go into these and the crash. He said to me later, he goes, I for sure thought I was going to be walking up and finding you done. Like, there's no way you were living from that. But I walked away from it fairly unscathed. Like, I was, I was, I was, I couldn't believe it. I had a couple puncture holes in my back where I hit the barbed wire fence. I think I hit my hip on one of the three, four inch poplars that was on the edge of the field edge. And just one of those things where, but anyway, course cut me a really good deal on that sled i fixed it up and the thing lasted another 17 years it was unbelievable that's the one thing about snowmobiles they're meant to take a lot of punishment but yeah. it's not a good not a good story when you go back to your buddy and say by the way i kind of rode off your brand new sled that you, bo- you let me borrow and uh he was really good about it i will say so that. how much how much it like what would you bought it off him for like I think it was five grand I gave him back. That's then, you know, wow. like you know, like yeah. nowadays they're in the teens. You know, these these snowmobiles nowadays you should see them. I mean, I hadn't snowmobiled for a long time, and those guys took me out the other day. And I'm telling you, the new machines they have out nowadays are ridiculous. I had I had a permagrin on my face the whole day though. I was laughing the whole time because it's fun. Like I don't, I it really is fun. I, I I'm actually yeah. thinking I wouldn't mind getting back into it because it's it's a blast every time I go out. 
Yeah. Uh, well, the moment you mention the barbed wire fence, I mean, when it comes oh, to snowmobiling, that's, that's, that, that's the thing too. When you're, yeah. when you're snowmobiling in an area that you don't know, yeah. um, that's the one, that's the one thing. And I just, it was a, it was a real rookie mistake on my part. So I just, cause yeah. I just, I just was in a hurry to try and catch up to a group. And, uh, in the process of being in a hurry, I put myself in really, really bad danger. And it could have turned out totally worse. That's for sure. Well, uh, you know, we, we had real cheap ones on our acreage growing up as a kid that couldn't do more than, you know, 15, 20 kilometers an hour. But I will tell you that when I, uh, you know, I obviously worked in the reforestation industry, Louis, I flipped clods all the time. We get stuck in mud on the side of hills, going up hills all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like. Lit, probably once every two or three days. Uh, I, had and string, I, never... I, had a, I had a string of some bad haps with machines. So I, I, I rolled down, I, I rented a snowmobile not shortly thereafter and rolled it down a big hill about 4,000 times trying to do, you know, you do the high mark, you know, where you go up yes. and you circle up and all these guys were going up. And I yep. thought, you know what, I kind of was a little, might have been a little crazier back then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Lou, we're going to talk. we got spec coming up here uh, a little bit later on. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk a bit about the midterm report for this team. I, I did, you know, I just discussed. I'll be intrigued to see what Edmonton Oilers add, what additions they make. I mean, they made a significant one with the Vander Kane. Uh, 5-0-1 in the last six games. How would you assess what's amounted to the first half of the season the team's played 42 games? Well, you know, I think it was, you know, as Ken Holland said, kind of the tale of two seasons. It was the start of the year. You know, they just came out flying. It was uh, pretty impressive with how they were able to win some games that maybe they shouldn't. Um, but there, you could see the chemistry. You could see the skill. I liked the conversations that were coming out of the dressing room, how they were talking about even though they were winning, there were still things they need to work on. And then they hit that real dry stretch of, 15 games where they won two games in that stretch and and I really think that was uh, you know not just from our perspective or a fan's perspective from people from the outside looking in I think it was really tough on on the players in that room I, just, I think more so because it was really unexpected the length that that went on for I think that they felt they were able to break out of that a little bit earlier and it just wasn't happening and you know you could just see it I mean the tensions were high obviously we we know what's happened in that that period of time with the conversations the media you know and the tensions were high but I, I will credit them with responding they came out of that and got healthy over the COVID scares and you know put put some really good games together. One games in tough buildings, empty buildings, not a lot of emotion. Um, it was a good schedule for them to kind of dig back into. They got Washington, a little handicap with some key players out. So it's a little bit payback, and you're starting to see some of those positive bounces go for Edmonton instead of against them. And I think that that's, you know, that's part of it. You know, when you're in those real bad stretches, it seems like everybody's against you. Every bounce is against you. You're not getting the calls you should necessarily get. And it can really manifest and take on a life of its own. But it can also flip and be the opposite, too. When things are going really well, everything goes your way. And I think we're starting to see that even out for Edmonton. So to be honest with you, I guess my answer is I, it's going to be really hard hard to tell. It'll be really interesting to see what happens here with the schedule ratcheted up after this break. A lot of games in succession, a lot of games in short notice. And they've got some games to make up before the trade deadline, which is really important for me. I think they need some time to establish that identity and see exactly what they are as a complete group. Um, I think I know what they are. I think there's there's certainly a couple areas I think they can bolster, but at the same time, 
I think they need to let this play out a bit. I really do. I think they, uh, I'm not just agreeing with Ken Holland. It's just the nature of the beast. It's really difficult to make key trades right now with the salary cap, with the COVID world, with everything that you're looking at. Every team's kind of going through this right now. They've dealt with a lot of adversity this year. And to make a trade, it's got to be the right one. And for both sides to say this is the right one for our organization, it's not that easy. So I do believe there will be some moves. I think there will be some tinkering. I think they want to get a little bigger and stronger, maybe a little tougher, um, just to go down the stretch and obviously into the playoffs. That's the goal. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I want to see another 15 games under their belt at least just to see kind of how they – kind of meshed together with the bodies that are back from injuries and COVID and also the new bodies. Like Evander Kane's got a couple goals in four games. He's looked pretty good. He's only going to get better, in my opinion, as he skates more and gets more conditioned. Just finding that fine details of the game that you you lose when you've been out for a bit. He doesn't look that bad at all for me, but I, I kind of want to wait and see, and that's where I'm at right now. Louie, great stuff. Appreciate your time. See you tonight. Sounds good, bud. Drew has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Says Lou Derusk guaranteed hat trick tonight. Well, we'll see what happens as the Oilers alumni take on the Canadians alumni. It's twelve fifty three NHL today, and our injury report for James H. Brown when we come back on Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on six thirty. Chad. 1256 in Edmonton. Let's go to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing Company. Branded apparel, products, and awards all created in-house. Shop local at ElitePromoMarketing.com. Back at the 630 Chet Studios, here's Brandon Escott. The All-Star Skills Competition going live from Vegas tonight. Connor McDavid uh, competing in the fastest skater event once again, while Leon Dreisaitl will partake in uh, accuracy shooting. With Pat Verbeek now in Anaheim, Sean Horkoff is taking over as Assistant General Manager in Detroit. He will also serve as the general manager of the American Hockey League's Grand Rapids Griffins. Bakersfield hosting Colorado in American League action tonight and tomorrow. The Oil Kings playing in Saskatoon this evening. Prince Albert tomorrow night. Edmonton can make it four straight wins. They're currently leading the Eastern Conference by two points. They have played five more games than Winnipeg though. University of Alberta playing Trinity Western on the road this weekend and the Canadian women beat Switzerland in 12-1 yesterday at the Olympics. All right, Trinity Western were good in soccer and good in volleyball. Um, always wanted a lot of attention as an institution, and I, they're going to get it on this show. The Stoffer line combined goals in the two games, Alberta 17.5. I say Alberta goes over that total. We'll see whether or not I'm right or wrong. And I'm actually partially hoping that's not the case uh, because I know the goaltender for Trinity Western. He's a great guy, but uh, and he's, he's a man. He's not a kid. Uh, but uh, that said, Alberta's about ready to uh, break break through offensively. They've had a kind of a, a quiet return to the second half, and this weekend could be the weekend. Into the Oilers Injury Report, brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown. It's this simple. They're the best. 
And they're the heavy hivers of injury law. We bring aboard Brendan S. Scott. What do you got, Brendan? Well, we know Mike Smith is expected to be available out of the All-Star break for Edmonton, but just across the wire, Jack Eichel could be cleared for contact right after the All-Star break as well. So obviously won't be participating when the Oilers and Golden Knights uh, reconvene things on the Tuesday of next week. But interesting because he is way ahead of schedule, and that was a deterrent for a lot of teams. All right, well, uh, Jack Heichel. I mean, Vegas is going to be good. The Oilers are 2-0 and against the Golden Knights this year with both wins in Vegas with Miko Koskinen starting both goal uh, games and playing very well uh, in those victories for Edmonton. 12.58, we'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta when we return in Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.